This podcast is presented to you by High Desert Word Center in Barstow, California. For more information, visit hdwc.org. And it is good to be in the house of the Lord. I love what it says in Psalms where it says, I'd rather be a gatekeeper in the house of the Lord than live the good life in the homes of the wicked. So I thank you for that. Now, uh, can we get a little lights? I know worship's over. Can we? Uh, thank you, my man. <laughs> Summer comes and, you know, we all kind of slow down. Have you noticed that the first few days of the massive heat come in and we're all kind of just dragging ourselves like, oh, my gosh. And that's that's what's going on a little bit. But no need to fear because we're going to snap you out of that tonight. Amen. We're going to get you awake. We're going to do something here. So the title tonight is this. The dangers of worrying, the dangers of worrying. And we're going to talk about what it is to worry, because what I can tell, what I see, just my observation, maybe you've seen this, maybe you have it, but I see a whole lot of worrying going on in our world. And I'm not even talking about from unbelievers. I'm talking about I see sons and daughters of God living lives of worry, anxiety, fear, turmoil. And you're like, well, that's, that's just the way it is, man. There's a lot of stuff going on out there. That is not what God's will is for your life. Yes, there is a lot of stuff going on out there. Yes, we do not live in a perfect world. I get that. But it is not God's will for you to sit around worrying about it. Because if you're a person full of worry, I mean, you're wasting all of your energies on that. And you've got nothing left off for the kingdom of God. If you're, if you're sitting around where, well, this could happen, and what if that did happen, and what if they say this is true, what, well, what if this, what if this, and if that is how we're living our lives, we're pretty much useless in the kingdom of God, and this is not the day, this is not the hour, this is not the season to have a bunch of useless soldiers in God's army. We need people that can be used by God. We don't need an army full of Gomer piles. We need we need some champions, man. We need some warriors. And if you're if we're going to sit around being afraid and timid and worried all the time, that is not going to get the job done. Amen. And so I, I kind of had a little video that inspired me for a little bit of this message, a kind of a guy that Jose and I both like to you know, kind of learn from. So these are some tips on how to be a champion at worrying, how to be a world-class worrier. And so if I could go ahead and, uh, Jose, roll that beautiful bean footage. Let's see how we can be. An ancient success technique whereby you prevent terrible things from happening in your future by making yourself feel terrible right now. Worry makes things better 100% of the time. So you can pave the way for a better future through negative thinking and emotional stress. I'm going to teach you how to get better at worrying. Trying something new? Just remember all the times you failed in the past. Practice catastrophizing. Just imagine the worst possible thing that could happen to you when you're doing your normal daily activities. Never trust anyone. In fact, you should become more suspicious when people treat you kindly because they're probably just trying to manipulate you to take all your money and cannibalize your body. Remember that one day the sun will burn out and all of life on earth will be dead. Advise your doctor to write you a prescription for a medication to help you stop worrying. Then go home and start worrying about the inevitable side effects of that medication. Type conspiracy theories in on Google, and then read about them for at least an hour every day. Talk about your worries with your friends, but don't let them pull you down by discussing solutions. 
Remind yourself that people are constantly judging you. If you get stricken with a case of feeling peaceful, turn on the news to find out what you should be worrying about today. When you're going to bed at night, remember home invasion is a thing. Go on WebMD and read about random illnesses to determine if you have any symptoms of those illnesses. Because worry always helps, enjoy maximizing your life and taking it to the next level. Oh yeah, and remember the device that you're watching this video on is killing you with dangerous EMFs. There you go. So now as far-fetched as that seems, I mean, I feel like I know people that are just about that worried. And if they are, if they do happen to get stricken with a case of feeling peaceful, just turn on the news and then you'll, you'll find out all the things you should be worried about today. So what we're saying is this. It is dangerous to live a life of worry. That is not what God has for you. And so we're going to talk about three things tonight for you to examine. Three things for you to consider as a born-again child of God. Because we're not we're, we're talking to Christians tonight. We're not talking to the world. They've got plenty to worry about. And they've got good reason to be worried. I'm talking to sons and daughters of God tonight. Am I right? Thank you. Yes, we're talking to sons and daughters of God. And I know that this is not what God has for us. So, what are the dangers of worrying? The first thing we're going to say is this. Number one, it cannot fix the situation. It's not going to fix the situation to sit there and be worried about it. And so I want to look over here at Matthew chapter 6, where we did the offering at, and pick it up at verse 25. Let's look at Matthew chapter 6. Matthew 6. Amen. Mateo 6. Am I right? Am I right? All right. And, you know, I can I can look back on my life and, and absolutely admit there have been plenty of times where I just worried about situations instead of letting God take care of them. And I can tell you this much. Never one time has that actually fixed my problems. It's never fixed my problems. And sometimes worry and complaining and fear, it's kind of like having a rash. You know, when I grew up out in the woods, I was a little redneck, little hillbilly kid. So I grew up out in the woods. And one bad thing about growing up in the woods is if you're allergic to poison ivy, you get it real easy. And so I could get poison ivy and it would spread like wildfire. And so I remember it was the summer of 1996. Good year. Amen. Yeah. And so it was 96, and I was out there playing in the woods, catching crawdads out in the creek, if you can relate to that. And, yeah, and so, and so I, I, I happened to brush against some poison ivy, and I, I start scratching it, man. And the more I scratch, it temporarily feels better, but it makes the problem a whole lot worse because it spreads from here to here to here. And next thing you know, man, my whole body is just like ballooned and I am an absolute train wreck. And I mean, I'm walking through the store and people are staring at me like, does he have leprosy? What is this? This is sickening. I looked awful, but the problem was it's kind of like worrying. It's kind of like complaining. Is It kind of at the moment feels like, yeah, that felt a little better. I got that off my chest. But no, it spreads the disease because worry and anxiety and fear, that's a disease of the soul. And if you don't watch it, it'll become a disease of the spirit, and it will absolutely train wreck your life. You don't want to be like that. So Matthew chapter 6, verse 25, Jesus said, That is why I tell you not to worry about everyday life. Whether you have enough food and drink or enough clothing to wear, isn't life more than food and your body more than clothing? Can I get an amen? It's more than food. It's more than clothing. Jesus said, Look at the birds. They don't plant or harvest or store food in barns. 
for your heavenly father feeds them. Isn't that good? Your heavenly father feeds them. And aren't you far more valuable to him than they are? Amen. We are more valuable than the birds are. We love birds, but people are more valuable than birds. Can all your worries add a single moment to your life? The point that I'm trying to make is this is that worry can't fix the situation. Jesus himself asked you this question. Can all of your worries add one single moment to your life? Do you think if you just sit there, maybe if I worry about this more, then I'll live longer. That's not going to happen. It's going to shorten your life. It's going to mess your life up. So the answer is no. All of your worries cannot add even a single second to your life. Jesus said, and why worry about your clothing? Look at the lilies of the field and how they grow. They don't work or make their clothing. Yet Solomon in all of his glory was not dressed as beautifully as they are. And if God cares so wonderfully for wildflowers that are here today and thrown to the fire tomorrow, he will certainly care for you. Why do you have so little faith? Now, that's something I mean, that kind of hurts to hear that from Jesus. He says, why do you have so little faith? But that's how he feels about when we sit there. Man, I just don't know. if I, I, I wish I had this. I wonder if this is going to happen. I'm getting really worried about this. I'm concerned about this. When we sit there and we let worry, when we let anxiety, when we let fear start to take a hold of our lives, we are getting ourselves in a bad situation. Jesus is saying, why do you have so little faith? Do you think if, I, if I'm going to feed the birds, I'm going to let my own children starve? How many of you in here that you got kids, you, you'll, you'll feed the birds out in the yard. You'll set up a bird feeder, but you will not cook dinner for the kids. You'd be a very, hands down, I did see a few hands, but... But, I mean, that's, that's called a negligent parent right there. I mean, and I know none of you would do that. But, but listen, how bad would that be if you cared more about birds? You're going to go out and feed the pigeons, but you're going to starve your kids. Yet, some of us basically accuse God of the exact same thing. He feeds the birds, and you'll say amen to that. But we sit here saying, well, I don't know where it's going to come from this time. I, I mean, this, this is the time that I really feel that we may just not make it. It's happened before, but I don't know about this time. Listen, you are insulting God Almighty and saying that he cares more about birds than he cares about his own children. He's a good father. He's, a, he's the ultimate father, and if he can feed the birds, if he can dress the flowers in the field, then he can most definitely take care of each and every single one of us. And so I looked up the word uh, worry in the English dictionary, and, and, and it means a state of anxiety and uncertainty over potential problems. A state of anxiety and uncertainty over potential problems. But then I looked up synonyms to the word worry. And I mean, I about had a bad day just from reading this list. This is some ugly words right here. So these are the synonyms of the word worry. And you've got it right there. Anguish. Who wants a headache? Yeah, it's on the list. Misery. Pain. Woe. Distress. Heartache. Perplexity. Torment, torture, and trial. That is about an, the ugliest list of words I've seen in a long time. Yet all of these things are the same thing as worry. And so when we start to let worry take a hold of, no wonder you have headaches. 
No wonder you're going around, oh man, I just feel confused all the time and I can't even process my thoughts because you're full of worry and anxiety. That's a bad place to be. I've been there. Man, maybe you're uh, I just feel distressed or man, I just feel sad on the, I've got heartache. It's because you're full of worry. It all comes from this perplexity. I mean, anyone ever, you're like, you just, you're, you feel confused and there's no good reason why. You're like, man, I just, I can't even, I can't even think through this right now. I don't, I don't even know what's going on. That's a case of too much worry in your life and it's starting to manifest itself in your mind. Torment, torture, and trial. This is, I mean, this is a cocktail of ugly things in one poisonous drink. And I know people that drink this cocktail every day. They wake up and they feel worry from the second their eyeballs open. They feel worry and distress and misery and woe all day long. And they're a child of God. That's sickening. God's children are called to live by a higher standard than this. It is not the will of God for his children to live a life of misery, headache, and anguish. That is not what God has called you to. He's called you to have life and life more abundantly, John 10.10. And so if this list of words even remotely describes your life, we've got a case of the worries that we're going to have to deal with right here, right now. You should not leave this building with any of these words being the description of who you are. Now, have you ever been around somebody that is living a life of worry? Let me tell you this. A worrisome person, a person that is full of worry, is a very unpleasant person to be around. Because even if they're a Christian, even if their spirit's born again, they just, they just they don't act like it. And I'm not saying they're out, they may not be out sinning and stuff, but, but they do not act how they're supposed to act. A worrisome person is an unpleasant person to be around because they always expect the worst possible outcome of any situation. They're full of anxiety, stress, fear, and, 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 and they're paranoid like everyone's out to get them. And I don't like to hang out with people that think everybody's out to get them because it, it, it's not true. It's not the devil's out to get you. I get that much, but I don't need to sit there and think, well, uh, you saw the way he looked at me. I heard what they said, and I know they said this, but they really meant this. Just don't go there. Don't live that type of life. And I think one of the dangerous things that we have is even in our text messaging, because you can send things, and if you don't send a smiley face emoji with it, oh, I, they said they love me, but there was no smiley face. There was, there was no halo on that little yellow face. He didn't mean it. I knew it this whole time. He doesn't even like me. Where's the rainbow? There's no unicorn on there. Listen, be careful, okay? Don't jump to conclusions like that. Worrisome people... They jump to conclusions all day long, and it'll get you in trouble because when you start jumping to conclusions, when you just start assuming things about people, then you are moving into the area of judging other people. Everyone's out to judge me. Well, you're judging them by saying they're judging you because you don't know. You're assuming they're judging you, so therefore, you are a filthy little judger. Get out of here. And that's how some people are. People that are just paranoid. Oh, they're judge, 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 they're judging me. And, and, and they're not. But you're judging them. And so we need to, to we need to just examine ourselves tonight. I want to help us out here. Do you remember that Snickers commercial a few years ago where uh, they say, you're not you when you're hungry? And the young guy turns into Betty White, okay? You know, you're not you when you're hungry. And I, I, I see a lot of people, good, solid people, good Christians, but they are not themselves when they worry. You're not you 
when you're full of worry. Because I know you better than that. I know that you are. You do have the love of God in your heart. You do have the fruit of the spirit, the joy, the love, the peace, the pain. You've got all that and it has manifested before. But you're not acting like you right now because you're full of worry and it'll change who you are. And so I want to look at a story here. The Old Testament. Let's flip back to the book of Daniel. Daniel chapter six, because I want to see an example of a guy that could have worried that could have got himself in a bad spot, but he chose the better way. He chose how to handle uh, his bad situation the right way. Who likes to see good examples? Yes. Well, let's see a good example here. So Daniel, uh, I'm, you're, you're familiar with this story, most of you, I'm sure, but, but Daniel, he has risen to the top in Babylon, okay? So the Babylonians, they overtook Israel and, and Judah, and, and so they've got all these guys... Uh, all the Israelites, I mean, they serve these people. But Daniel and some of his buddies, they were chosen to serve in the king's palace, right? And so they do so well. They outperform, they outthink, they outstudy, they outwork everybody else there. And so they keep rising and getting promoted and getting higher and higher in the kingdom. Well, naturally, that makes everybody jealous. So, uh, goody two-shoes and blah, blah, blah. And so they get jealous of Daniel. And the only thing they can do, because they can't trap him with anything. You could say that he steals. No one would believe it because he's squeaky clean. You could, you could say, well, he went out and did this. And, 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 and you, could, you could spread. But his life was so clean and innocent, nobody would believe you. He lived a life above reproach. And so they said, the only way we're going to catch this guy, the only way we can trip Daniel up is if we just manipulate the laws, if we can just manipulate the system and get him to do something. And so, you know the story, but, but they, they go to the king and they have the king make this law that nobody can pray to anybody for this set period of time except for the king himself. Nobody. You pray to, if you pray to your God, whoever that God may be, you know, there's a very polytheistic society. They, they worship lots of gods, but the only one you can pray to is the king. And if you pray to anybody else, you will get thrown to the lions. And so Daniel chapter 6, verse 10, I, I love his reaction here. But when Daniel learned that the law had been signed, he went home and knelt down as usual in his upstairs room. With its windows open toward Jerusalem, he prayed three times a day, just as he had always done, giving thanks to his God. So notice Daniel did not go home and have an ulcer. He didn't go home and have a panic attack. He, Daniel didn't go home and, and, I mean, just throw in the towel and say, this isn't fair, I've served you, and here they are going to do this. Now I can't pray anymore. Great. No. Daniel did what he had always done. And I find it interesting. He didn't even call up all of his friends and have an all-night prayer meeting. That would have been fine and cool. But Daniel was such a calm and consistent person. He got bad news. He just did what he's always done. He just stayed consistent. He went home. He knelt down. He prayed three times a day with his window open toward Jerusalem because he wanted the Jews to get Jerusalem back. Thank God they eventually did. But he just did what he had always done. Daniel is one of the most beautiful stories to me of what it means to be a calm and consistent person. I personally love calm and consistent people. I, I love people that are calm, cool, consistent, 
and they don't flip out and, and freak out and blow up and, and, and go nuclear on everybody. Daniel is a shining example of what it means. He got really bad. He was set up and he knew he was set up, but all he did was just what he had always done. He just went home and prayed. He didn't even change things up. He just went home and prayed three times a day as he always did, giving thanks to his God. Do you think panic and worry would have fixed this situation? He didn't even start a petition. He didn't even sit in front of Walmart and gather signatures for a vote and bug you when you're just going in to get toothpaste. He, he didn't do that. Daniel just did what he always did. And I'm telling you, if we live this type of life, if we can just be calm, consistent, steady, serving the Lord, whether the time's favorable or not, God can use somebody like that. God can do something in your life. And so let's look down here at verses 17 through 23, the good part of the story. And so, of course, Daniel is caught praying because he wasn't trying to hide it. He wasn't trying to flaunt it, but he definitely wasn't trying to hide it. He was just living his life like usual. Of course, they catch him. They throw him into the den. Verse 17, a stone was brought and placed over the mouth of the den. The king sealed the stone with his own royal seal and the seals of his nobles so that no one could rescue Daniel. So the government stepped in and they're more powerful than God. And, and, and uh, do you think Daniel was afraid that the government said no? You think Daniel and I hear people, well, you know, they're making a law for this and, and we're going to pray the evil laws down. But I don't care if they outlaw Bibles. I'm going to do what I do every single day. I'm going to wake up at the crack of dawn, crack open my Bible, get a cup of coffee, and pray and read the Bible, whether it's legal or illegal. I don't care. I'm going to do what I've always done. And I hear some people, I'm worried, man. They just said that they could outlaw Bibles. Maybe they could. So what? I'm going to do what I have always done. I'm not going to have a panic attack and die over it. I'm going to read my Bible whether they tell me to or not. Because the government is not my boss. God is my boss. My boss isn't my boss. Yes, you are, Dad. But my boss isn't my boss. But what I'm saying is, what I'm saying is, God is the ultimate source of authority in my life. And he has the final say. And so I don't care what law they make tell me I can or can't do this. I mean, I'll pray it down. We'll get past that anyway. But I am not going to toss and turn at night afraid of what the government's going to do. We'll be all right. Can I get an amen? Okay. And so Daniel, here he is. He's, he's, he's thrown in there. They seal it with the king's seal so that nobody could rescue Daniel. Verse 18. Then the king returned to his palace and spent the night fasting. Because the king actually liked Daniel. He refused his usual entertainment. And he couldn't sleep at all that night. So you mean the king is the one full of anxiety and fear and worry and stress and not Daniel? Yep. The king is the one that can't sleep. Daniel's fine. He's down there with the lions. And so it says, very early the next morning, the king got up and hurried out to the lion's den. When he got there, he called out in anguish, Daniel, servant of the living God, was your God who you serve so faithfully able to rescue you from the lions? And Daniel answered back, long live the king. Yeah, that's good news right there. Daniel, I mean, would it have been bad? Daniel, are you alive? Da Danny? Dan? Dan? Daniel? And I mean, 
Can you imagine what the king, he did not think that Daniel was going to actually respond. And then Daniel yells back, long live the king. I am here. I didn't die. And my God sent his angel to shut the lion's mouth so they wouldn't hurt me. For I have been found innocent in his sight. And so I'm telling you, I don't care if you're guilty in everybody else's sight. If you are innocent in God's sight, he's there in the den with you. You are not alone. And his angel is right there with you. Can you imagine being in a pit full of lions and they don't do anything all night long? You're just there with the lions, just chilling out in a pit full of lions. And the angel, they don't even open their mouths all night long because the angels are shutting their mouth. Why is that? Because he has been found innocent in the sight of God. And he says, and I have not wronged you, your majesty. So he didn't wrong God. He didn't wrong the king. The king was overjoyed and ordered that Daniel be lifted from the den. Not a scratch was found on him, for he had trusted in his God. That's it right there. He trusted in his God. Trust is the opposite of what worry is. Daniel did. I mean, this if there was ever a time to panic, this was the perfect time to panic right here. This was it. I mean, if there was ever a time to be worried and afraid, this was a golden opportunity to be afraid. But Daniel trusted in his God and he knew that God was going to come through for him. And God did. But I asked, what if Daniel had been a worrier? What if one of us was in Daniel's spot? What, what if one of us that freaks out over, I mean, there's clouds in the sky in the morning. Oh, it's going to be a bad day, bad day, bad day. What, what if one of us was in that spot? We wouldn't be reading about you right now because history doesn't record warriors because they don't survive. You wouldn't, we wouldn't have any idea who you are. If you were, and if, the same thing with, if Daniel had been a warrior, if Daniel had been somebody that did not trust God in a bad time, we would have no idea who Daniel is because there would be no, there wouldn't even be any need to mention Daniel. We have no need to read about sissies. We have no need. I don't care to study cowards. Do you? Oh man, I've got a new book about cowards. I'm going to read about all the great weenies of history. Wow, this is incredible. Well, this guy quit. He ran out on his army. This guy, I don't care to, I don't want to read about sellouts. I want to read about people that trusted God in a terrible situation and didn't worry. And God came and used his angels to shut the lion's mouth and pull them out of the den. I like to read about guys like that. And that's what we're talking about tonight is the danger of worrying. If you are a person that worries, listen, it's going to get you into a heap of trouble. Number two is this worry. Why is it so dangerous? It'll make bad things happen. Like, what? Really? Yes. Worry, it will make bad things happy. I've heard this said, the beginning of worry is the end of faith. The beginning of worry is the end of faith. And listen, we are all tempted, no doubt, to worry. We are all presented with golden opportunities to worry and panic and be afraid but you are going to have to choose in that moment. You know what? I get it. This was not the report that I wanted to hear today. I get it. This is not the news that I wanted to hear. But God, but God 
is going to come through for me and deliver. God is in this with me because he said he'll never leave me. He'll never forsake me. I am not alone, so I'm not afraid. We are all presented with opportunities, but some of us, all of us, we need to choose to not worry. And to, we read this verse this morning with Mrs. Pastor, to be still and know that I am God. What's the first thing you do when you get unpleasant news? Do you run and tell everybody? i got to get this online right now. The quicker the better, because I know all of my positive friends will have great things. Nope. When you, when, you get, when you get less than pleasant news, when you get the report that you weren't wanting, the first thing that I'm going to do is I'm going to go and be quiet in the presence of God and say, God, tell me what I need to hear, right? And I'm going to go to the Word and I'm going to go to God, but I am not going to go to the knuckleheads all around me that are, that are professional warriors anyway, like they're going to help you. They're going to look up your symptoms on WebMD and diagnose you. They're, they're, going, to, they're going to go through it and, 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 and look up every... Well, I've seen a lot of people have gone through this and the last 12 actually died. I don't, does that help? Did that? No, that doesn't help. Well, the last guy, he went bankrupt. Maybe you'll make it out. There's a chance. 50-50, I don't know. Why would you listen to people like that? We need to realize that worry will make bad things happen because this, believe it or not, worry is actually a form of faith. Worry is perverted faith. It's faith that it is a belief in something unseen. That's what faith is. It's believing without seeing. And so when we choose to be a person of worry, we're believing in lots of stuff that hasn't even happened yet. Well, I'm worried that the sky could fall. Well, you haven't seen it yet, but you sure have a belief that it's going to happen. I'm worried that little rocket man's going to come and blow the whole thing up. Well, you hasn't happened yet. I'm worried that blah, blah. And I know people that worry, worry, worry. And I'm telling you what, if they could just channel that belief in the unseen into positive things, they'd be faith warriors, man. They'd be giants because they have such an ability to, to believe in the unseen that it's incredible. But the bad thing is, is that they're always believing in the unseen in a negative way. And it brings about bad things in their life. And so I'm going to flip back really quick to the book of Job, Job chapter three. I'm going to show you something about Job. Now, a lot of people are familiar with Job, and this book, it, it confuses me because a lot of times I see people, I focus on the last chapter of Job, where it says, Job repented and the Lord restored to him twice as much as he had before. Now, a lot of people don't even realize that that ever happened to Job, but Job was a rich man, a blessed man. He lost everything, and a lot of people, when they're going through a hard time, yes, I'm studying Job, brother. I'm studying Job this week. I feel like I identify with Job. Okay, I identify with Job too, but I identify with the last chapter. I identify with the guy that God blessed and restored everything that the devil stole from him. But some, I don't know how you identify with Job, but if you identify with the guy that loses everything, then so be it. But I'm telling you right now, I don't identify with that part of Job. I identify with the good part because the first 40-something chapters are pretty miserable to read. But Job chapter 3 and verse 25, this is a key to understanding the story of Job that a lot of people don't get. Job 3.25, when all these bad things start happening to him, Job says this, What I always feared has happened to me. What I dreaded has come true. So all these things, Job loses his wife and kids, his, I mean his possession, all these things apparently... Job said, I've always been worried that this was going to happen to me. I've always dreaded this happening. And now 
it's actually happened. What I dreaded has come true. Isn't that incredible? That here's this guy, he was blessed. And sometimes I see people that, I mean, they've got a lot of, they're blessed in this life, but they're full of worry all the time. Well, I, I've got all, but, I, well, but what if this happened? And, and what if this crashes? And what, and what if this goes down? And, what if I, and they're full of worry. Job, though he was a blessed man, by his own admission, we're not made, by his own, the words from his mouth, what I always feared, I've always been afraid of this happening. And it happened. What I have dreaded has actually come true. And so I caution you. I caution you, man. If you are even in, I mean, you're, you're seem to be in a good stage of life right now. Listen, don't sit there and think about, well, it's good right now, but what if I, I don't know what I would do if I lost him. I don't know what I would do if I lost this job. I don't know what I would do if this, if this guy got elected, if this happened over here. I just don't know what I would do. I, 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 you know what you're doing? You are dreading something at that point, and you are putting your worry to work for you. Because what you dread will eventually happen to you because faith works, right? And this is just a reverse perverted form of faith. But a belief in the unseen, it's the most powerful force on this planet. God formed all everything by the words out of his mouth, by, by faith. Everything in this earth runs on the system of faith, on belief. And I'm telling you, it, it, it's a powerful thing. And I've seen a lot of people destroy their lives. By having faith, by believing in the wrong unseen, when it's just as easy to believe in God. I've never seen him, but I'd a lot rather believe in that unseen than I would about all the potential dangers out there. Well, you can't drink tea. They say you might get cancer. I actually knew this is not a this is not a, a fake story. I knew a girl that did not use deodorant because she believed it caused cancer. And you could tell that she didn't believe in deodorant. Because you could smell her from a block away. But this same girl was addicted to cigarettes and smoked like five packs of cigarettes a day. I'm going to take my chances on the deodorant situation more so than the smoking the cigarette situation. How is that? That, that you can, something that guaranteed is going to give you cancer, but yet you're not going to use deodorant. And I'm sorry, that just always, that baffled me. But, but people that are full of worry, they do stupid things. They're very irrational, and they'll do really stupid things. Have you ever read the story of Chicken Little? Yeah, I mean, this guy was irrational. He had an irrational fear, and he did really stupid things all the time. And there's a lot of people, there's a lot of Christians, they're like Chicken Little. They've got completely irrational fears of things that are just absolutely absurd, and it's ridiculous, and they're making a fool of themselves by being a worrisome person when God is saying, just believe in me. I've got this. Just take me at my word. And one of the, one of the craziest stories that I've ever heard is this. Uh, I heard this story, uh, and I've, I've told this before. Maybe you've read it. I, I, I just looked this up again. But there's this guy who was known amongst his co-workers he was a negative person, okay? He just always, uh, he always jumped to the negative side of any situation. Well, they say it, it could be this tomorrow. Yeah, they, but it could be this. They say we may get a raise. Yeah, but we could get a demotion. They say that this could happen. That, that could, but this could happen too. And you know people like that where no matter what news you present them, they find a way to make it negative. I mean, I know people, like, no matter what you like, I want to give you $100. Well, that means somebody's just going to want to come and take 200 from me. I mean, I know what this means. This is per 
Why? Ugh. People like that are so frustrating. And so here's this guy who's negative Nelly. I mean, always jumping to the wrong end of everything. Well, he one night gets locked in a refrigerated boxcar for the railroad, a boxcar that transports, I think it was produce. And he gets locked in there. And I mean, bat, and instantly, of course, who being who he is, he just starts going into panic mode. And he writes a note, writes his final letter to his family. And I love you guys. Uh, uh, it's getting colder. It's getting darker. I can feel. And he writes this final note about how miserable his death was. And sure enough, his co-workers get there the next day. They, and, and here he is laying dead in the middle of the boxcar. Like, what happened? They take, they get him, you know, the coroner picks him up. They do the autopsy. He died of hypothermia. He froze to death. But the crazy part is the refrigeration unit was not plugged in. The boxcar never went below 50 degrees. He panicked and worried so much that his mind convinced himself that he was freezing to death. The man literally froze to death in 50 degrees. And I'm like, that shows you how powerful believing without seeing it. What I mean, imagine if you could channel that into believing God to heal cancer. If you could challenge that believing God to go feed the homeless, to, to go you know evangelize the nation. If we could channel that, that direction, the job would be done already. But we've got people that are channeling all of their, their, their being into believing for the wrong things in this life. And they're getting, because you will have what you say, you will have what you're believing for. And no wonder a lot of us are getting a foul crop all the time, because we are getting what we believe for. But we have got to be like, 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 like Jesus told us to be, like, like people that always see the best. So Matthew chapter 9, verse 29, let's flip there. Matthew chapter 9, i got to get this. Matthew chapter 9. So are you getting anything tonight? Is this making sense that, that, I mean, kick worry out the door. Quit sleeping with worry. Quit, wait, quit giving worry, a, a, you know, a free pass to, to just reside at your house. Worry is not welcome at my house. Worry is not a welcomed guest. Matthew chapter 9, and we're going to look here at verse 29. I'm going to read this in the King James. This is Jesus right here healing some blind people. But Matthew 9, verse 29 says, Then he touched their eyes, saying, Get this, according to your faith, be it unto you. That I mean, this seems like, yeah, big deal. According, but that is one of the biggest, most profound sentences, statements that I've ever read in my life. According to my faith, it's going to be done unto me. So you mean whatever it is that I'm believing in in my life, is going to be done, is what's going to manifest into my life. And so a lot of people, yet again, we say this, man, we've said this. You're seeing the results of their belief system in their life. You're like, man, that guy just can't catch a break. I feel so bad. I feel awful for them. It seems like and they, they just keep getting it over and over again. And, and, and I mean, this happens and that happens. And I just feel awful for those people. And I'm not saying this is every situation because the devil throws it. I, okay, but it is within the realm of possibility that sometimes we are reaping the harvest of all the years, of all the seeds of doubt and worry. The, the harvest is coming in. The tide is coming in on the things that we've believed in. 
Now, again, not every time something bad happens can we look at someone and say, or look at your life, well, it must be because they're worried. No, I'm not saying that. But I am saying it is possible. It could be one of the reasons why sometimes the tide keeps bringing in bad things. Because just like Job said, man, the thing I've always been afraid of happening has happened. I was always afraid I'd lose all this stuff. The thing that I dreaded has come true. That could be. It's possible that that could be what has happened. I know it's happened in my life. There's been things like, oh, man, I, I've been afraid for a long time. I, mean, I hope this never happens. And, and, and oh, man, this, I just, I don't know what I would do with that. And then it eventually happens. Oh, my gosh. What am I, I've always, the thing that I've dreaded has come true. Why is that? Because whether I would admit it or not, I believed in the Lord. I loved the Lord. But I also had a very firm belief in the unseen possibility of something negative happening to me. And so, belief is a very powerful thing. It is so powerful that Jesus said, according to your faith, be it unto you. So he's not going to come down and overpower your worry. He's not going to come down and overpower and stiff arm all your doubts and force blessing onto you. You are going to have to stiff arm the worry. You are going to have to kick it out. What did, you, what did Peter say? He said, you cast all of your cares upon him. For he cares for you. He didn't say, pray to the Lord to come and take the worry out of your life. Pray to Jesus to come and take all of your worry away. Peter wrote in the word of God, 1 Peter 5 eight, cast all of your cares upon him. That The understood subject of that sentence is you. You cast all your cares. You give all your worries and anxieties to him. For he cares for you. And a lot of people are like, Jesus, come and take it from me. Come and take it. Come, Jesus, just come and take this from me. No, you're going to have to give that thing up, man. You're going to have to kick it out the door. You are going to have to take responsibility for your life. And there's a whole, I mean, we've got such a generation and society of people right now. Can I get on the soapbox? Get on the soapbox. We've got such a generation. We don't want to take responsibility for anything anymore. For our, that we have got to the place where we just expect Jesus to come and just take it all away. When he told us in the word, you are going to have to do this. You resist the devil and he will flee from you. You cast your cares upon the Lord according to your faith. Be it done unto you. Why didn't he say, according to my power, it'll be done unto you. I get it. It's his power that does the healing. It's his power that does the delivering. It's his power that does the saving. But it takes your faith, your faith in the power to get something to happen. Amen. So we've got to get a hold of this, that we've got to take responsibility. And if you have been a person that lives a life of worry, tonight's the night to own up to that mess and do something about it. Actually do something about it. And so number three, the third thing we're going to say about worry tonight is this, the danger of worry is number three, it's an insult to God. It's insulting to God. Now, worry is obviously doubt, right? I mean, that's, that's pretty self-explanatory. But how would you like it if you told your kids, Hey, buddy, you do this and uh, we'll take you down to Pizza Palace. And they said, I doubt that. <laughs> okay. Um, hey, we're going to take a vacation, guys. We're going to Knott's Berry Farm on Friday. Yeah, right. <laughs> I'd like it. I, I mean, that would be great, but I doubt, I doubt that. 
I mean, I'd be insulted, like, what did I ever do to you, man? I mean, I, what's up with that? Am I that big of a, uh, what, what's the deal? I'd be insulted, wouldn't you? Or what if you came up to your wife and said, honey, I love you. You are the best thing. Yeah, right. I doubt that. Yeah, that's pretty much what we say to God whenever he told us already, I'll supply all of your needs according to my riches and glory. And you're sitting there wringing your hands. Oh, boy, I don't know. Uh, where's it going to? I don't. Oh, boy, we're going. Uh, what am I going to do? What am I going to do? And he's saying, I'm your dad. And I said, I'd take care of it. Hello. Well, I doubt that. That's insulting, man. That would make me upset. That would make me angry. If every time I made a promise to my kids, said, you do this, I'll do this for you. Yeah, right. Because there's plenty of things in the Bible where God says, you do this. You know, you bring the tithe into the storehouse. I'll rebuke the devourer for your sake. Doubt that. Believe it when I see it. I mean, come on. That's the type of stuff that we do. And you know what we're doing? We're slapping our dad in the face saying, I don't believe you. Anytime that we chew, the word of God clearly says to do something, and we decide, yeah, I know, but I just don't think that's going to work out. If I, I think I better just hold on to all that myself. And uh, I know it says to, you know, we'll use the example of tithing. You know, it says to, to do this, and he'll rebuke the devourer, and, and he'll supply my needs. And, and I don't know, man, I think I better just hold on to it myself. Because, so you are literally, that's a slap in the face of God. You're saying, you, you did say this. I don't deny that your word says if I do this that you would open the windows of heaven, but I don't think you really will. So I'm, I, I, it's too risky. I, I couldn't possibly tithe. There's too much of a risk involved because what if God doesn't do what he said he would do? So you've got enough guts to call God a liar? You've got more guts than I have. I don't have enough guts to call God a liar. I don't, I don't have enough within me to, to tell God, I know your word says this, but I don't think it's going to actually happen. You got more guts than me. I don't got. I don't have that. I, I, I'm telling you. Listen, I make mistakes, but there's no way that I would say to God, I, I don't think that you'd actually do it. I don't think you'd come through. In fact, that's why for tithing in Malachi three, God says, "Prove me." I dare you. I'm putting you to the test. Put me to the test. Watch what happens. I dare you to see if I come through on this. Isn't that incredible? Say that to his children. But we've got to get a hold of this. And so it's an insult to God to live a life of worry and doubt because you're saying you don't think your daddy's going to take care of you. You don't think your daddy cares. That's an insult to a father. James chapter 1, verses 6 through 8. James chapter 1, verses 6 through 8. Let's do this. I hear that whistle. Thank you. I see that. James 1, verses 6 through 8. Because we are not going to be a people that are full of worry and stress and anxiety and, 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 and just freaking out all the time. That is not who we are. We are sons. We are daughters of the king. I've got nothing to worry about. James 1, verses 6 through 8. So it's talking about somebody that's asking of God. It says, but let him ask in faith with no doubting. For he who doubts is like a wave of the sea, driven and tossed by the wind. And so, right there, somebody that, that asks God, uh, listen, there's somebody, that, somebody that's double-minded. You're like a wave of the sea, driven and tossed by the wind. I, I think I put this in the NLT up there. It says, be sure that your faith is in God alone. Do not waver, for a person with divided loyalty is as unsettled as a wave of the sea, 
that is blown and tossed by the wind. Verse 7. Such people should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. Ow! Woo! That hurts. It says if you ask God for it, but then you don't really believe He's going to do it, you shouldn't expect to receive anything from God. It's not going to happen. Because you're double-minded. You're unstable. You're like a wave of the sea. And so when you pray to God, listen, when you ask Him for something, you stick with it. Not one minute, well, I, I prayed and then, okay, I, I think God could do this, but I don't know if He will. You're up and down, in and out, up and down. It says, forget about it. Don't, that guy's not going to receive anything from the Lord. Forget about it. It's not going to happen because you're double-minded. You're unstable. Verse 8 tells us, their loyalty is divided between God and the world. Oh, we've got a double agent. We've got a traitor. We've got a sellout on our hands. We've got somebody with divided loyalty, and they're unstable in everything they do. That, I mean, that hurts to even read that, but that's the truth, and the truth will set us free when we receive it. Amen? And so I'm telling you right now, when we are a person full of worry, when we are a person that doubts the promises of God, it's an absolute insult to Him. I want to look at one last verse here, and that's Hebrews 12.2. Hebrews 12.2. So how do we keep from doubting? You gotta keep your eyes on Jesus. You, you have to keep your eyes on Jesus and not keep your eyes on the problem. And a lot of people, they've got their eyes on that problem all day long. Their eyes are locked on it and they are not gonna lose focus. They are 100% focused on the problem. They talk about it. They think about it. They dream about it. They, they imagine it. They, they, they imagine it getting worse. I mean, they tell everybody what's how bad things are. And, and listen, that, that's not keeping your eyes on Jesus. Let me just tell you about this. I, I've got this, this, and this going on, and blah, 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 blah. But my eyes are on Jesus. Did I tell you that I have this too? And that blah, 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 blah. And, I, and I'm out of money, but did I tell My eyes are on Jesus. I'll tell you that right now. He's the author and finisher of my faith. But have I told you how bad it really is at my house? Your eyes aren't on Jesus. Your eyes are on your problem. Your faith isn't in Jesus. Your faith is that that problem is going to come and mow you down. Your faith is that that problem is going to come and burn the house down. That's where your faith is. Because Jesus said, from the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So don't sit there and say that you're, you're, you believe. No, you believe that the problem is bigger than Jesus. Just admit it. So here we are, Hebrews 12, 2. It says, we do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus, the champion who initiates and perfects our faith. Because of the joy awaiting him, he endured the cross, disregarding its shame. Now he is seated at the place of honor beside God's throne. It says Jesus is the champion. We keep our eyes on Jesus. Keep our eyes on Jesus. And the King James says he's the author. He's the finisher of our faith. Now it'd be cool if Jesus was the author of our faith, but what I love about Jesus is Jesus is a finisher. He closes the deal. Jesus doesn't, he's not like most of us men. He doesn't start a project and leave it unfinished. He, he doesn't start, well, yeah, I, I'll get around to this and I'll get back. Jesus isn't like that. He's a finisher. He closes the deal. He's the author. He's the finisher of our faith. And it says, you get the victory by keeping our eyes on Jesus. 
And we talked about this this morning. How do you keep your eyes on Jesus? You keep your eyes on the Word of God. I'm telling you, when I'm sitting there reading the Word of God, when I'm reading about David taking down Goliath, when I'm reading about Daniel making it through the lion's den, what I feel, I mean, at that moment, there's not a doubt in my mind that I could go out and tackle any problem this world throws at me. But when I've been sitting there reading the news all day long, and when I've been sitting there reading different stuff and watching stupid videos on YouTube, guilty. When I do that, you know, I, I don't, my faith is not where it needs to be. I, I, don't, I don't feel like a champion. I don't feel like somebody that could take on the world. But when my eyes are on Jesus, look out, man. Nothing, and this not any cancer, not any disease, not any problem, nothing can stop us when we've got our eyes on Jesus because he's the author and finisher of our faith. And I want to, as I close out, I want to give you one last final. This is just a free little, uh, a, a little gem. I'm gonna little nugget. So, ways to overcome worry. I, I found this in my life, man. Number one is the Word of God. But I'm telling you right now, if worry is trying to overtake your soul, you need to get into some worship. You need to get into praising God for how good He is. How wonderful he is because you get your eyes when you're when you're thinking about how great God is. You're not thinking about how terrible things are down here. And I'm telling you right now, getting in to worship, getting praising God, it gets you into the presence of God. And King David said that in his presence is fullness of joy, not 50 percent joy, 50 percent anxiety, little depression. No, in his presence is fullness of joy. And so I have learned in my life, man, when worry tries to get me, I get in the Word and I will praise God all day long. I'll sing worship songs. It was this past week, Katie and I were dealing with a bunch of different work situations and helping people out and stuff. I mean, and just, just I mean, the blues were trying to get us. You know what I mean? Not because anything was bad in our life, but things were bad in lots of other people's lives. And after a while, <laughs> when you kind of take on people's problems all day, kind of it'll get to you if you don't watch yourself. And so, I mean, we were dealing with some massive situation. And so she's like, we're driving the kids to school in Victorville. She turns on some praise music. And I'm telling you, man, we got to sing and worship in God in that little micro van. And I tell you what, right now, man, by the time I got there, I was on top of the world. I was too focused on how amazing God is. Then, and, and everything else just absolutely evaporated in the presence of God. And so I encourage you, man, if it tries to get to you, you Worship God, praise God, and usher in His presence into your life and watch what can happen. And so to just close it down tonight is this. Worry is a dangerous thing, man. It'll open the door to bad things happening in your life. It's an insult to God, and it definitely is not going to fix your situation. So keep your eyes on Jesus, worship Him, praise Him, and kick worry out the door. Amen? Let's go ahead and stand up again tonight. Thank you for listening to this podcast. For more information, visit hdwc.org.